0: Hey, you like cars? Well, so do I. Take a seat real quick. You're listening to Car Quicks. Episode, episode nine. Getting close, getting close to that episode ten threshold throw a little party for episode 10. You know, props to me. (laughs) Somebody's gonna be like, you supposed to do that at like episode 100? I know I got a long way to go. But we're at episode 9 today and hope everybody's feeling good out there. I'm feeling good. It's a nice day. It's a nice evening. It's not a nice day. I'm recording this in the evening right now. But it's a nice evening. I just ate some pizza my favorite one of my favorite foods so i'm i'm really really feeling good but we got some cars to talk about we got some good information we got some it's gonna be some strong opinions this episode because i got there's some things that are happening that i just need to just voice my opinion on because some of this stuff is just like come come on like come on but hope everybody's feeling good out there your family your friends anybody listening thank you for joining uh, You know, always appreciative That's my hands cracking in the background Because you know it's go time But always appreciative to anybody listening And, you know, just I'm just going to dive right in I don't really do any, like, new intro Maybe I'll switch it up e- After episode 10, I might, you know, throw you a little curveball But to just jump right into some of the cool information We're going to get to the strong opinions f- later But out the door, <laughs> something fires coming fire okay i saw this we saw like kind of camouflaged versions of this car about i want to say like six months ago they're running around with this car and i mean you can pretty much tell there are videos on youtube of this car and you can pretty much tell out the gate what it's going to look like and it looks it looks fire i mean wide flares aggressive front bumper duckbill bill spoiler Three triple exhausts in the center. You already know the drivetrain. It's about to have 320 horsepower, six-speed manual, sport compact. One of the most known, revered. Somebody's gonna be like, that's a strong. That's a strong word to use, but one of the most well-known names in the JDM space. We grew up with the car. We knew about it, and we had some strong opinions when they released the car again about a year or so ago, because. We were like, that's not what we expected, but oh boy, are they making up for it. You know what I'm talking about. Talking about the Integra Type S. And Let me tell you something. <sighs> Man, what I saw as far as the camouflage concept, what Acura just teased a couple of days ago with a little video they put out with it driving down. It's a highway in Tokyo. I don't want to say Tokyo. It's a highway in Japan, a bridge. I've seen it before on people that I follow on YouTube who are in who are in Japan. And I've seen this bridge more than once. They drove by. It sounds dope. (laughs) I mean, the way the flares look to the body of the Integra. I mean, the Integra body in stock form, you know, let's just go back to when they revealed it. When the Integra was coming out, there were mad random, you know, fan art rendered concept type cars on instagram left and right some of them like were on the cover of magazines people like hey it might really look like this well you want to talk about disappointment and they rolled that thing out and i was like that's a honda cross tour what's happening where's the integra because it ain't here and they had the nerve to roll out Type Rs and all these other Integras and show people, look at the history of the Integra, all the fans and the people. They had RSXs out there with Mugen kits and, you know, Volt, you know, Voltex wings and Jays Racing body kits, and then they rolled out what essentially was a miniaturized cross tour. and I was like, yo, you want to talk about missing the mark? You weren't even in the mark. You didn't even know the mark existed. You couldn't even miss it because you didn't even know it was there. But let me tell you, a few people, I've seen a few of them on the road. I'm sure people have bought them as far as like a nice car that's, I guess, an upgrade above a Civic Hatchback or Honda Civic. But it's in a weird space because, I mean, if you buy an Acura Integra right now, then I'm like, okay, cool. You probably want a little bit more creature comforts on the interior, maybe a little bit more... Leather, softer materials. I I don't know. To me, it wasn't worth the price to over a Honda Civic or Honda Civic Hatchback. And then when you add in the Type R, and then it kind of gets kind of confusing because you're like, okay, we well have the Type R. The regular Integra gets pretty close to the Type R's price tag in a way. Not not really close. We're a few thousand off that. So it's kind of like, I mean, I guess if you just truly just wanted something that's like everyday. A little bit over the average commodity of a Honda, then you go to the Acura, which is fine. I mean, it's not. It's not like it's a bad car. Any of us that were disappointed with it, we're we're pulling from our past. You know, we're 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 comparing the Integra now to the Integra that we couldn't have as teenagers, and what we saw in magazines and what we still see now when people importing Integra Type R's and what we saw people building with RSX's and you know, so there's a his, there's a group of people that I'm in the demographic that we didn't get to have those cars, or we couldn't afford them at that time. So when they're like the new integrity's coming out, we're automatically going straight to the past. You know, I'm thinking about the scene with Jarrell Monica, as he's right, you know, getting roasted by you know Paul Walker and an Eclipse, but that's not what they built, but they surely made up for it because the new Type S, if this thing even looks halfway like the camouflage one is running around looks like and the teaser they showed is a flared fenders it's not like the civic type r which is i what i appreciate because the civic type r looks very very nice and that one uses more like a molded flare type fender it reminds me very much of like the european style of doing a wider body the corolla the gr corolla like i have is more reminds me of the jdm way of doing it where you kind of can see the lines of the flare Where the Civic Type R, though it has roots in, obviously, in Japan, and the previous one, the FK8, looked that part. The new one now kind of has a more cleaner European flair to me when it comes to how the fenders are molded and widened on the car. In the Acura Type S, interestingly enough, the flares and stuff on this are not molded in. You can see them added on, meaning, I don't want to say tacked on because tacked on sounds tacky. But, I mean, you can see the lines of where the flare ends or where it begins. You can see the front bumper. You can see the front lip. You can see the diffuser. To me, it has a very, very JDM flare to it as far as how it looks. And considering that the car, from all the spy shots we've seen, it looks way better. It was like it was designed to have some type of kit, bigger front mouth type of bumper, side skirts diffuser. They already showed a sound clip. It's, man, it sounds mad good. It sounds a little bit better than the Type R, but that could be a placebo effect of something new when you're excited about it and you think it's something different when it's exactly the same thing. But 320 horsepower. They made more horsepower than the Type R, which is good because they're going to charge more, I would assume, because it's the Acura. I don't know how much more because the Civic Type R already starts at 44,000, basically. I don't know how much further they can go. If they go up to like 47, actually, no, let me be realistic, because that only 2,000 more over a Type R seems a little too low. I would suspect that this thing is going to start somewhere around, let's just say high 47 to 49. I don't really know where it's going to end up. If it starts at 50, I'm going to be like, yo, man, they're really shooting for the stars on this one. I don't know if it's 50K worth of Acura, if you throw in the fact that there's probably some markup happening or maybe not because accurate dealerships haven't had a flood of people kicking the door in and they don't some of the accurate dealerships or let's just say some of the salespeople, people at the GMs, i would imagine don't really have a history of the type r under their belt to say oh well you know it's a type s you know what this is i mean they still can i'm sure some still will but maybe there's a better shot at getting a integra type s than it is a type r because right now the type r situation is bonkers okay if you want the type r godspeed okay salute because it's gonna be a ride but as far as what they have coming and as far as what could the potential be i'm really interested in one thing sounds kind of funny i'm interested in the interior Not, i know they're not going to do the red carpet like they did in the civic in the civic type R because that's part of their heritage. I want to know if they're going to throw in the same type of bucket seats, but maybe have them in leather because it's more of a luxury sports coupe. It's not as street track oriented, like the civic type R and that would be fire like leather buckets in there, red leathers or whatever color they're going to use. I don't know. I'm interested in how they're going to package that car Compared to the Civic Type R, because the Civic Type R is, I use the term I hate, boy racer, which is which is dumb, but it's more for the street. Obviously, you see it, you're like, that's a street car. That's JDM. We're gonna modify it. We're gonna put the wheels on it. We're gonna track it. We're gonna do all that. And the Civic, in the Acura Integra Type S, to me, kind of gets into that. It leans a little bit into that luxury sport, but it still has that connection to JDM and a lot of it. So. I'm very interested in seeing what the aftermarket does, what options are available for, which obviously will carry over from the Civic Type R, so it won't even really be that hard, but I don't know if the chassis and certain parts of it are the same. I feel that they are, and a lot of that stuff is just going to carry over, and if it does, that means when you first get the car, when it comes out sometime in the summer, it's pretty much going to be an easy way to get in and get what you want. I mean, I like it enough that I even... Briefly thought in my head about trading the GR Corolla, but you know, all-wheel drive, baby. So we ain't going to do that. I don't want front-wheel drive. But Acura, round of applause for what I assume is about to come. And we're going to come back and revisit this because once they do announce it, coming back in here to talk about what we see, how much it costs, and what we're doing with it, and what people are saying. Because, I mean, on paper and in the preview, they got one. They got one. Alongside of that, it was Accurate teasing us about the, you know, the return of the Integra, because what they did in the beginning ain't the return. I'll, I'll say this is a return. It's the end of the road. Cue in the boys to men music. It might, if I have it, I'm, I'm going to put it in right here, the end of the road song. The Dodge, the Dodges, the Chargers, the Challengers. It's, you know, it's coming to an end. They announced the last one, the last Challenger, the last call, as they say, all this whole entire year into next year. We're at the last run of the Dodge Challengers and the Dodge Chargers. And, you know, it's kind of like a bittersweet thing. I'm not going to truly knock it. I know everybody has their jokes about them things being boats. I've driven a Hellcat it's extremely comfortable. It's very fast. I know fast is a, is a soft term for people because there are folks that are in truly monstrous type of vehicles. And they're like, it ain't fast. You don't know fast. Whatever. Okay. It's fast by all standards of people who are driving cars. Very comfortable. Big, big body. No, it's not a handling monster. No, it's not going on the Nurburgring because neither are you. So it doesn't matter. But very comfortable car and you know it's kind of sad to see something in that had such a such a huge following such a very big impact on just the car community and the car culture in general and if you don't think it did then I just don't really feel like you're a car enthusiast you just kind of being biased with your opinion but we already know that that car had a huge impact very very big deal when it got announced when it's shown up, and all the iterations, even though they've been pretty much the same, have proven to perform well, do well, and have a massive following. And they announced the last one that they're doing, which was the Dodge Demon 170, I believe it was called. And I mean, you already knew they were gonna go crazy. They already had the Red Eye, 807 horsepower. They had a Hellcat, 707. They did the Demon, which is like 840. So they basically went some balls to the wall and released a 1,025 horsepower, base. it's a drag car. Now they, they've they essentially given you a license plate and a parachute on the back of a street legal car. Zero to 60, 1.66 seconds, clearly on slicks, clearly on a prep track. That's still insanity. 8.91 second quarter mile at 151. <laughs> that trash speed's crazy. That to, you're getting that at the dealership. That's what makes it so impressive is that they have produced these cars at the dealership with warranties with you know a regular driver's license. If you got the money, it starts at like 100,000, like 96,000, but it's going to be 100,000. I mean, you're you're right there with the biggest of the big boys. I mean, the fastest cars you can get. Even if it's a Porsche, if it's a a Tesla Model S Plaid. I mean, all those cars are in that same range of 100,000, and this thing is incredibly fast. Now, obviously... I mean, all this stuff was done. They showed it off at a drag strip because it's not a prep track. I mean, when you have that much power going to the rear wheels, you're going to need basically drag slicks or drag radios and some type of sticky surface or a very well-maintained road to actually get these numbers. But the fact that it can even do it or the fact that you can go to a track, get kicked off the track because you're too fast. and something that you can drive home and take back to the dealership is is just amazing. To me, it's just really, really cool. One of the unique things of it is that it has kind of the wide body flares we're used to seeing on the Challenger, only on the rear. And the front is kind of like, you know, skinny tires, fat rear. That's, you know, the look, the drag racer look. And it needs it, obviously, because with the power that it has, I mean, what are the options that you have? Not much has changed other than graphics and details inside of the car. I mean, if you look at it, you're going to say that's a Challenger. And you might also confuse it for any other car that came from Dodge at this time whether it's a red eye or something like that, they all look pretty much the same. But this is kind of impressive because it runs E85 out the gate. You can also run it on regular 93 octane, which I think at that range, it makes like 900 horsepower, 810 foot pounds of torque. And then on the E85, it jumps it to 1025. So, I mean, either way you go, it's an impressive thing. It's an impressive run especially for how long it's been and how much they just kept the formula the same. Now, as far as options, I don't really know if there's many options on the car. There is an $11,500 wheel package that includes a carbon fiber wheel, titanium bolts, bolts on it, aluminum spokes. It saves like 32 pounds of unsprung weight, which is a big deal. That's an expensive set of wheels, though, so... If you're truly about getting the maximum amount of power and speed out of it, there's going to be people that buy that. Most of this stuff, honestly, these are going to be street cars. These are going to be the ones that come into coffee and cars. They're going to be the ones that get put up for later to be sold for a premium price because they're going to hold their value. This is the last run. These are not coming back. Gigantic V8 Hellcat motors. You already see what's coming next. The electric challenger has already been shown it already has artificial engine noise, which I don't think sound bad, and so you already know where the future is going. So this is going to be one of those later cars that just appreciates over time. You can still get a sunroof on it for ten thousand dollars. <laughs> and You know you can get a rear bench. You can add the rear bench because it doesn't have it for twenty five hundred. So somebody's going to option this thing all the way out to basically be the last of the last of the demons in the street car, and they're making three thousand of them for the U.S. and another three hundred going to Canada. So guaranteed all of these are snatched up okay they had ordering books open up on march 27th it's already well they're opening up so it hasn't passed yet we got a couple more days until that day comes but i mean you already know it's gonna get snatched up every single one of them if there isn't a markup on it prepare yourself for the markup because it's coming okay if you can get one without it you might actually be sitting on one of the greatest flips in a long time. Like, you can really just make some money off of this thing, especially considering how many people are going to go out of their way to buy it. So, I mean, I like it. It's been a run. I mean, I love the cars. I I have a soft spot for them. Sometimes I'm just like, listen, I can't be the cliche. Another black man getting out of the Challenger. <laughs> That's just my own little funny thing I have. I like the JDM world more anyways, but... I love the way challengers look and how Charger bodies look. I just love how they look. I kind of want one because I want to build one kind of with a JDM flair to it. That's just my own personal preference. Maybe one day. Who knows? You know, the world's, you know, things happen, manifestation. So Dodge Demon, 170s are coming. That's your last one. Better get on that list. If you've been waiting to get one, I suggest you hurry up and get what you can why interest rates might be high and people are willing to sell for a good price because once all these cars are all said and done whatever hasn't been sent to the takeover grave or the wrapped around a tree is going to cost you a pretty penny and it should because i mean this was an exciting time of cars and you know when things come to an end like this the ones that were there in the beginning the ones that people may not have bought or thought about all of a sudden they become prize collections and speaking of something like that Chevrolet just announced that pretty much after 2024 the Camaro's gone and not gone they say well they said not gone sleeping meaning they have a few other models coming out I think there's another ZL1 coming out another some z model there's other models coming out but as far as what the future holds for camaro it's not as clear as it is for mustang because ford already showed you the 2024 mustang which is completely redesigned new interior dark horse engines and they're going motorsport racing they got the gt you got the mustang gt3 that they just showed in the video that sounds ridiculous racing on sebring track they got the Dark Horse model. They got a new GT500, I'm sure, in the pipeline. So they have some type of history of what they're going to do with their car. And Camaro doesn't, even though I'm sure they have something up their sleeves that they're going to do. I don't know if they're going to go the route of Dodge. where they're just going to go electric? There was rumors of a sedan. I'm not mad at a Camaro sedan. I know that sounds nuts. But we got over the Dodge Charger being a sedan. And if the Camaro was designed in a way... You could get away with a really sleek looking sedan. And I wouldn't be mad at that. If they did it right, it could work. Now, if they try to jump to the electric, I I say bandwagon, but what I mean by that is a lot of these electric cars that do come out from some manufacturers, not all of them, to me do feel like you're trying to jump on the bandwagon and grab whatever money you can right away. And it's none of these, some of these cars are not fully thought out for infrastructure, for feel of driving i don't think dodge is doing that as a challenger i think they're taking their time wisely so that they don't lose some of their current fans and maybe lose some of the new fans and the new buyers that are interested in something like that but want to kind of step into the unknown with the electric type of muscle car sports car world but as far as the camaro i always liked the zl1 with the one le track pack because it looks so aggressive in the front end i actually drive to work and there's a guy that has a white one that i me and him see each other every day going to work like i see him early morning flying i'm usually trying to keep up with him hey giaccaro can get get a little busy he can get busier but i love the way those cars look and if i had the means to get one i probably would get one too because i think the zl1 and especially one of the ones that i love the most is the older Camaro Z28 that they made in like 2014, I believe or 2013. That was an all motor V8. It was really made for the track and handling. I just loved, I just loved the idea of that car because it was just raw, no extras. It ain't the fastest thing in the world, but it's like the most responsive, and that's what I loved about the idea of it. If I could one day get one of those, I definitely would. If you're gonna tell me what Camaro do you want, it's gonna be start with Z28 or it's gonna go to Z01. Or if I just hit the lottery, I'm calling the Ring Brothers and they're going to build me an old school. <laughs> now, outside of the, you know, muscle cars coming to an end, essentially, outside of the Mustang, the Mustang is still around because Ford does. I mean, we're that's pretty much once I mean, the Dodge Challenger and Chargers are not there in the Camaro. I mean, we're really kind of down to the last of the Mohicans. And, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what the future holds as far as what they're going to build and what how they integrate electric or hybrid and how they transition to that. Some some companies transition well. Some you're going to stumble and fall and eventually find their feet and we're going to have something that we're going to talk about and say this is exciting times. We're not there yet, but you know, some manufacturers they transition well. They get to the next stage well. One of those people we're going to talk about is Toyota and they have the new Tacoma and the new Forerunner somewhere in the background. And I say somewhere in the background because if there was ever a car that I personally, if I was like a Toyota executive, I would definitely be nervous about because the fans of the Tacoma, the Taco, or of the Forerunner, I mean, these people have been buying a car that hasn't changed in about 10 years hand over fist like they haven't stopped the pro series trd you know tacomas and the forerunners have sold all the time like there's no there's no stopping the selling of those cars and to think about making a new one and introducing that into the current state introducing a hybrid type platform which i'm sure they're going to do a brand new architecture brand new design i mean they have a lot riding on this. A lot. Like it is not something to just, you know, sh- you know, think that it's taken lightly. They're not taking this lightly. It is is a huge deal for them to make a new Forerunner and a new Tacoma. My mother-in-law drives a Forerunner. They're great. I like them because they feel very raw, body on frame type of truck. And it's the one that most of the people off-road, they overland. And I think that. It is gonna be exciting to see what Toyota builds because a lot of the information that we've gotten from it has been so, it's been trickling in. Motor training of the day showed a render of what the Forerunner could look like. And boy, if it looks like this, it's as out, out the door. And there's an electric one somewhere in the pipeline. Is it electric like the IMAX force that they have in the Tundra where it's like basically a hybrid? Or is it full electric? We don't know yet. But the motor is kind of the big deal because right now they have a tried and true V6. And if anybody has a Tacoma or a Forerunner, if they had a Sequoia, what well, I had a V8. But some of these Toyota engines, as we know, they're rock solid, bulletproof. These things run. Forever, okay. You can buy one, you'll die, and your kids will get it, and they may not make it till the thing dies. I mean, some Toyota cars like they just be running so long that folks just get tired of them. And the car don't do nothing. The car be like, yo, I'm, I'm still here running. Well, what's happening? Getting traded? in Okay, I'm done. I want some creature comforts. How dare you still be running? <laughs> That's like them '98 Camrys. Them '98 Camrys can go for eternities, okay. If you if it's like the apocalypse and you're like, what car can I grab? That won't let me down. Camry from 1997. Okay. You're good. And if you need some off-roading capabilities, because it is apocalypse forerunner. Sequoia. We're good. Okay. Nothing happening. <laughs> but as far as what they showed, I know they're going to kind of tap into a little bit of what they did with the FJ, which they should. That's what it looked like in the render. Like it had a little bit of FJ design. Like if it was in the future, and they should have that. The Tacoma, they've shown shots of it. I don't they've shown shots of what it's gonna look like. And I'm sure that everything is going to be very clean and very similar to what they have now because they're not gonna deviate too far from the plan because Toyota is not gonna be a company that takes something as tried and true as those two trucks and decide that we're gonna do some wild new design that's gonna isolate the previous buyers and only talk to maybe new buyers or into maybe more aggressive or exciting styling that can be polarizing and it can be one that's either hot and cold with people. So I suspect that they're going to keep it very streamlined to what it is that they're known for. Like, you know what the Forerunner looks like, you know what the Tacoma looks like. We are now going to clean it up, add a little bit of flair, and we're going to give you different drivetrain options. And that's the big thing. Most of it, I believe, is probably going to be, not probably, I'm sure this is going to be a four-cylinder turbo hybrid type of setup on this motor. If they put the V6 in there, it's going to be probably on the pro model, and it's going to be on the higher-end TRD ones. The regular one is running the four-cylinder turbo hybrid type of drivetrain, which still is going to make a proper horsepower, proper amount of torque, and retrieve good gas mileage and that's the point cuz they're doing so well with hybrid powertrains. I have it in the 2022 Sienna. That's their bread and butter. The new Prius has it, the Sienna has it, the Crown has it, the incoming Camry when they do it even though today they announced that they're discontinuing the Camry in Japan, so that's kind of an interesting. That's kind of an interesting story because I don't really know what that means for it here in America, but that's for another podcast. But we know how they're going to operate and what they're going to do. It's gonna be cool to see how the fans and the people that have been driving these things for all these years how they react to it. Because it's a it's a big deal. Now, we're gonna get into something real quick, okay? We gotta talk about a car because I'm I don't even know. I read a few articles on this car, and I'm just I don't even know how they're writing articles. Like, some of these articles, I, they're paid. There's no way. There's no way this is a real opinion. Some of these are paid. I mean, I almost want to take a break because I need to wrap my head around this, okay? You know, just a quick pause, moment of silence, you know? I'm throwing some music real quick. All right, I'm back. I'm talking about the Dodge Hornet, okay? <laughs> this... This compact SUV is trash, okay? Out the door, out the gate. I'm not holding no punches. I'm not sugarcoating it. This thing is trash. It is making no sense. I've read multiple articles, and I've seen multiple YouTube videos of people driving around as a Dodge Hornet and giving it praise that I'm I'm confused. I don't know where this praise is coming from. I'm staring at this thing is, oh my gosh. Let me just break this down to you. The Dodge Hornet is based off the Alfa Romeo Tonale, or Tonale, one of those those cars, right? And Dodge hasn't made a good small SUV. I don't even know when. It wasn't the Nitro. It certainly wasn't that. When have they done a good small SUV? Please, somebody. Tell me because they haven't. I'm going to remove the Dodge Challengers and the Charger from the equation because that's from a different division. And the gentleman, Ralph Gills, who was running that knows what they're doing when it comes to targeting the right market for that type of car. But when we're talking about small compact SUVs, the RAV4s, the Honda CRVs, the Mazda CX3s, and the CX5s, the, you know, that world. I mean, we already know who rules it. That's a CRV and the RAV4. If you're trying to fight in that world, you're going to need to have a product that is exceptional, even if it's bland, even if it's boring. Because I know what Dodge's angle with this Hornet was to try to add some spice to the mundane. I can already see the commercials. Are you sick of the tired and gray and white and, you know, navy blue CRVs and, you know, Mazda 3s in your way at work? Get a Hornet. Trash. okay. Trash. Let's start off with a couple of things. One, one. I've read articles and they're talking about it looks the part. It looks good. It looks aggressive. Where, where? I want everybody to pause. If you don't know what the 2023 Dodge Hornet looks like, just imagine if they would have made an SUV that was small and compact seven years ago. Not now. Not up against a Kia Sorento or a Celtos. Not up against whatever Hyundai has. Not up against whatever Volkswagen's making. None of those competitors can this keep up with. This thing looks like it was designed in 2013. This is an old car. This is them trying to grab. This is a Dodge Dart all over again. Them trying to grab a car that's being made in another country, rebadge it, try to give it the Dodge. We're the more aggressive, fun We're about muscle, because they have that in their tagline, like something about bringing muscle to the small SUV or some other junk like that. And they try to spice it up, and there's no spice. This is like somebody cooking chicken with only paprika. It's not going to taste like anything. It's going to look red, and then you're going to take a bite, and you're going to say, oh, so this is garbage. (laughs) And that's what this car is, this SUV is. They have the nerve to bring this out at the heels of the Dodge Demon 170 because they're not slick. They're going to bring it out at the same time, say, Hey, if you can't afford the $100,000 true muscle car, we got something for you. We threw some muscle in the small SUV market because we know you've been checking and you haven't been feeling the other options. No, the reason why the Honda CRV and the RAV4 sell so much is because they are reliable, they hold value. I want you to try to resell a Dodge Nitro and tell me what you get for it. If it isn't already on the side of the road broken. And when you get a Hornet, tell me what happens three years from now when you try to trade that thing in and people are like, so you actually bought one of these? <laughs> Play it yourself. Okay. Now, I know they're going to treat you. Somebody's going to read about this and say, yo, it don't sound bad on paper. It got a 1.3 liter plug-in hybrid, Right. And everybody's like, "Well, that's cool. That's that's kind of the same way the other manufacturers are going." It is true. It is. It got a 15.5 kilowatt battery in it, six-speed automatic. The horsepower is 263, 383 foot-pounds of torque. That's a lot of torque. It also includes an option called the Power Shot, which uses the battery and the electric motor to give you about 288 horsepower for a quick. 45 second blast that drops to zero to sixty to five point six seconds and it has to cool down for fifteen seconds after you do that. All wheel drive. It has a two thousand pound towing capacity. It somehow weighs four thousand one hundred and forty pounds. That's that's dodge again with the with the weight. The top speed is hundred and twenty-eight, that's laughable, even though I know you're not driving this car for a top speed, but like one twenty is ridiculous. And they're giving this thing like decent scores out of ten, like seven, eight out of ten. And I'm like, am am I being too hard on the car? Like, am I losing my step? Is my bias showing? Who's copying this? Let's try to find some some pluses. standard interior. 12-inch digital display, 10-inch central display, Connect 5, wireless audio, Android audio, and CarPlay. And that's where it stops. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm not—that's where it stops. This interior, it has some red gradient and black stitching, some Alcantara in the center or whatever Fox material it is in the middle. It looks like standard black and red stitching on the interior. It's a standard Dodge interior. There's nothing to write home about the front end. Tries to implement some of the Dodge Charger big grill at the bottom type of look. The rear taillights look like miniaturized versions of the ones off the Charger. This thing is not the business. I don't even understand how it's coming out. And you know what's the most egregious thing is why I have such issues with Dodge Hornet RT. One of that is the price. The price of this thing is astronomical. Okay. Considering what we have been dealing with in this current economy and what cars have been available and what has been available to the people as far as what they're buying if they're looking at this type of car, I mean, this is, it, this is just kind of unacceptable as far as, like, how this car is performing and what it's doing. There's really no need to have a near $50,000 Dodge small SUV, and yes, I'm not lying. This thing, if you get the RT model, it starts at, hold on, let me get the price, $44,995. The one that they tested on these articles I'm reading about is $52,000. Who is buying a $50,000 Dodge Compact small SUV? I want to see a show of hands. Who are you? and blink twice if you're in distress, <laughs> okay? Because you have to be. There's really no other option or other way that this would make any type of sense. This, this SUV is now worthy of the other competitors in this market. I don't care who has driven this. Yes, it feels probably sporty when you go 0 to 60. Okay, cool. Yes, it probably handles better than maybe the other counterparts. Okay, cool. There's a Kona in. Hello? like Hyundai made the Kona N from a team that actually is from a history of making small cars perform very well. Veloster N, Elantra N, everybody has said, hey, these things are punching well above their weight. If you're going to go this route, by all means, go get a Kona N. Like do not buy a Dodge for $50,000, an RT one. But let's just say you're like, you know what, I'm not going to spend that much. I'm going to get the one under it. I'm going to get the GT. This is when I know Dodge has kind of lost it when it comes to the small SUV market because the GT version is $10,000 cheaper. And I'm like, this isn't worth 10 extra $1,000. And to isolate that car, this SUV, into that range, it's like, okay, so the GT one is going to be the utilitarian one that everybody buys. That's going to be the one that you pretty much see everywhere. You got 265 horsepower and a four-cylinder, 295 foot-pounds of torque. That's the one that's going to be what everybody buys. And they, they're they going to try to, they're trying to throw in Dodge, dealership, added accessories. This is them trying to get back into the ethos of the Dodge Neon SRT4 where you had the factory parts. And I know SUVs are what's selling now. So on paper it makes sense make a sporty suv that's small and compact because that's what people are buying we're not really buying cars though i beg to differ okay try to go find a gr corolla so i know what they're doing from the shareholders and you know the stakeholders their vision of what they're trying to make money at i get it but if you're going to buy a small suv the Dodge Hornet is the last thing that should be on your list. I'm being perfectly honest. I don't care what the manufacturers say or what these these you know car enthusiasts say, not car enthusiasts, but these car magazines say. I went to the auto show. They had a Dodge Hornet there. I sat inside of it. I looked around and said, "This is basic. it doesn't look good. The price is too high. And we have already done this. this this reeks of Dodge Dart again. like it just tells me, okay. This isn't really where you want to go because I know the challenge and the charge are coming to an end, but if we're being real frank and honest, those two cars were the only thing keeping them relevant in the sense of car enthusiasts because they're, they're aiming this RT Hornet at enthusiasts that want like an SUV or I'm assuming they're probably going to have some commercial where some parents have a Hellcat or a Scat Pack or a, Dodge Durango RT or an SRT and say, oh, we need to get a car for our daughter going to college or our son. Let's get a Hornet, like for $44,000 or even $35,000 for the GT one. Stop it. I mean, come on now. Like reckless behavior. Okay. That's what this is. I don't even want to hear about it no more. Don't, I don't even buy this thing. Okay. If you do, hey, sure money. I really can't knock you. Okay. Have fun. I'm sure it'll survive up to about 80,000 miles, and then it's going to do what Dodges do. <laughs> I'm removing the Challengers and the Chargers from my jokes, okay? They have held up, and they have proven themselves, okay? But this thing, $50,000 for the Dodge Hornet RT? Negative. Absolutely not. <sighs> Man, sorry for that rant. I'm sure somebody's going to listen to this and be like, why are you this invested in what Dodge is doing with the small SUV market? I have a little bit of a personal take on it. One of my my brother from another, my closest friend I grew up with, he had a Dodge Nitro. Let me tell you something. Me and him both talked about it. that thing barely survived. And he upgraded his life to a 2022 Civic Si. And man, that Dodge Nitro when it he sold it in in the hands of the new buyer that thing practically killed itself i mean garbage truck garbage car okay like just trash so i have a little bit of a you know personal take on the dodge small suvs but if you're in the market for it by all means knock yourself out i would advise you to take a trip to i don't know toyota your local Honda dealership do not go to Nissan do not get a Nissan Rogue okay um public service announcement if you're buying a Nissan that has a CVT transmission you you did yourself a disservice stop immediately find the nearest exit and call 1800 please help me okay please help me that's what you need okay find the nearest member of your family and a guardian okay you need to get yourself out of that nissan dealership if you ain't buying the z or a gtr there's really no reason you should be in there <laughs> but that's gonna be it for the episode today i'm gonna cool off now that i got myself all hot thinking about that dodged hornet and for all the old school heads they're probably just even equally as mad that they took the hornet name from the old muscle car it on the suv i mean the disrespect but as always, you know, glad for listening. I'll be back next week. Another episode. That'll be episode 10. And we're going to keep this going. And I enjoy speaking, talking with y'all. This is your host, it's Cameron Carquix. And as always, do as you wish, do as you may. Be safe out there, y'all. I'm out.